Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. It's our first episode of the new year, so welcome back everyone. I hope you had happy holidays and you've had a decent start to 2021 all things considered. If you work for a company interested in expanding your reach in esports, remember Esports Network has opportunities in podcasting, digital media, and video programming. Please reach out to Esports Network CEO Mark Timmick using the email in the bio of this show. For our first episode of the new year, we are talking with Market Price. Market Price is a startup that creates a two-way platform to connect athletes with brands and vice versa. And on the show today, we have Jason Bergman, co-founder and CEO of MarketPrice. He has a background in sports marketing, including with Open Sponsorship, who listeners of the show might remember from our discussion with Open Sponsorship CEO Ishfin Anand back in April of 2020. After a year working with Nielsen following Open Sponsorship, Jason split off last month to found MarketPrice. Jason, welcome to the show. Mitch, I just am so happy that I'm the first person you guys have here in the new year. So I think... Now there's like so much pressure of getting off to a really hot start. So I'm hopeful we can live up to it. It's only illustrious guests on the Esports Network podcast. And we're stoked <laughs> to have you on. Thank you for being able to do awesome. this on such short notice. We're stoked to have it. And of we're course. also joined, in addition to Jason, by Evan Hainos. Evan, did I pronounce your last name right? Yeah, you nailed it. Perfect. Evan Hainos is Market Price's resident esports expert and marketing manager. Evan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mitch. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, and I think I feel a little embarrassed following the like the word illustrious guests, but you know I'm going to take it where I can get it. So thank you. <laughs> uh, run with it, Evan. Run with it. You're on the podcast that makes you by default an illustrious guest. That's perfect. How it works. Yes. All right, I'm going to put it to my bio, Twitter bio. There you go. That's all we ask. <laughs> That's all we ask. Uh, I'll let Jason talk about his goals with the new startup in a second, but on this show, just to give you a idea of what to expect over the next 30 minutes. We're going to be talking about the changing world of sports marketing as fans move towards athlete fandom over team fandom. We're talking about how athletes are using gaming to build massive audience and possibly bring in bigger contracts. And we're going to talk about why esports players need better opportunities to connect with brands and really just the importance of sponsorship in the esports space. So before we jump into those topics, Jason, what was the initial spark behind Market Price? And take us through the run-up to the launch uh, last month. Yeah, of course. So I, uh, you know, it's hard to say like the initial spark, right? Because any business is, you know, a couple months, sometimes even a couple years kind of in the making. But for me, I am always in the business of as corny as it sounds, I know is like solving problems. And I've been in sales my entire career, where I was always trying to help the person on the other side of the phone or the other person on the other side of the video, where I was always trying to solve problems. And my career, you know, I had a few stops before I, like you mentioned, worked at Open Sponsorship, where I was the first sales hire there. So I was in charge of, man, I'll never forget it. Like the first couple of weeks I was calling, I was looking on Yelp for car dealerships in New York in the morning and Seattle and California in the afternoon. And I was just cold calling them, trying to get them to sign up for the platform. And I, I bring that up because I was at the ground level of like, we don't really have any users. So not only what are we selling, but what pain point are we addressing? And I was there for over three years. And I saw that, you know, we were definitely helping brands and definitely helping athletes and agents, but not helping them enough as we could have. There were some really big barriers that I'm sure we'll get into in, in this episode. But after I left Open Sponsorship, I had this idea of market price in my head, and that was probably around 2018. And I started thinking on it, thinking on it, thinking on it. And I got to the point where 
my whole business model is we charge, and again, I'm sure we'll get to it. We charge athletes and agents a monthly membership to access our network of amazing brands to close deals with in two clicks. And I was like, if I'm going to charge athletes and agents, I need to make sure that they would actually use this and they would actually pay for this. So I didn't want to just interview athletes and agents. I wanted to actually you know, become one and see if I personally would pay for something like a market price. So I went to Instagram, as anyone in the right mind would do, and I just DM'd probably over a thousand athletes on Instagram. And it was mostly NFL and NBA, uh, no esports athletes. That That's more my background, the traditional NFL and NBA. And that's something where I, I knew that a lot better, where great, reach out to them, say, I don't want anything exclusive, but I'll be able to bring you marketing deals. Just say yes or no, and we could take the relationship from there. I did that for about a year and a half, and it was really hard to close marketing deals. Um, it, it was really hard to cold call and cold email and Instagram DM. So what I did was create market price, and we started working on it probably about, I mean, it was it was back probably in February or March of 2020. And obviously, as everyone listening knows, the the world started to come down in March with with everything with COVID, and honestly it kind of helped us where I was able to work at Nielsen, my full-time job. And I was able to really work on the side on market price with my co-founder, uh, Sherry Arkan, who built this entire thing from the ground up. And we were able to really just try to make it as great of a platform as possible to empower really any athlete and any agent to start closing deals with athletes in a matter of clicks. And yeah, man, we just launched December 15th. Like I was saying before we hopped on, we tried to compete with Christmas and New Year's and we came out pretty well. Uh, you know, just yesterday we had over a hundred athletes. We hit the hundred athlete mark of, of people signed up and we started closing our first few deals. And, you know, it's been, uh, it's been a really fun ride so far. Congrats on reaching that 100 athlete mark less than a month after launch. And like you mentioned over the holidays, uh, to get that many athletes is pretty impressive. Thank you, Mitch. Uh, yeah. And, and, but now it's about, making them money and helping them close more sponsorship deals. And we've already started doing that with the athletes signed up. And man, yeah, I, again, I'm sure we'll get into it, but esports is such a massive, massive opportunity. Uh, you know, I was reading before this call that, and actually our esports guru, Evan Hainos, who I'm sure mm. is going to speak and <laughs> just surprise all of you guys with his knowledge and drop some knowledge bombs. Um, mm. o- over 90% of revenue in esports for these esports athletes comes from sponsorship itself. So we want to empower every single esports athlete to really start, you know, not just making a living on this, but really crushing it and starting to close a lot more sponsorship deals. And again, it's something that is incredibly exciting getting out of bed every morning and doing. Absolutely. It's a big space and we're going to talk about esports, but I want to talk about traditional sports a little bit first, uh, especially as it relates to gaming audiences. Uh, so there's one big trend that I am is totally on my radar for let's see how this plays out. And that's Juju Smith Schuster. So I think actually fans of our audience, you don't really have to, you can be both in esports or in sports. And you probably know who Juju is Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver, uh, very popular in gaming circles, over 6 million total followers combined. I believe, I think it's 3 million on Instagram, 1 million on YouTube, 1 million on Twitter, uh, and then something big on Twitch as well. There's, oh, a TikTok as well. I think he's got a couple million on TikTok. So uh, just a massive social following. And he's built it through, you know, being a good wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, a popular NFL team, but also connecting with gaming audiences, streaming with Jake, with Drake, Travis Scott, and Ninja back in 2018, uh, doing dances on 
the logos, which gets his teammates mad at him, uh, but posting those on TikTok. And this year, he's very likely a free agent, according to most uh, pundits I've seen. The Steelers have two other wide receivers, Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson, who are both very good. Uh, and Juju is likely going to be signed by a new team. And I'm really curious what this contract looks like, especially because he's had what a little bit of a down year on the field this year. But I could see a team signing him for that audience that he breaks, that connection to the gaming world and just the social media audience. And so I'm curious, uh, Jason or Evan, where do you guys see this playing out? And are we going to see more athletes receiving bigger contracts, bigger opportunities because they've connected so well with gamers? Yeah, I I'm happy to dive in first. And then Evan, I'm sure you could share your thoughts. But absolutely, Juju is going to get overpaid by some team, uh, whether it's the Steelers or another team because of his social impact. And, you know, it's not even that hot of a take because there's past examples of this. Like, there are so many stats on what LeBron James did to Cleveland, you know, when he was initially there, and then he had left to go to Miami and then came back to Cleveland, what that did to the entire economy. It just happened with Giannis Antetokounmpo with Milwaukee, where, you know, obviously they were going to pay him the max anyway. But you look now they're selling out every single home game. And they were not doing that before he was there. So being able to have that impact. And again, Juju is not on the level of a LeBron and Giannis, but in the player empowerment era, player empowerment era, that's something where fans like athletes more and more versus fans liking teams. And I think that trend is only going to more so continue. And Juju, like you said, he has millions of followers that he's going to take to whichever city and whichever team he plays for. So yeah, absolutely. I, you know, Juju's awesome too. I would love him on the Eagles. I'm a huge Eagles fan, but you know, Evan, maybe you could share your thoughts as well. Sure. Yeah. I think, I mean, the, the concept of that seems so kind of foreign in a sense that an athlete would get more money, more a more beneficial contract because of his or her off the field personality, off the field following. But like Jason said, it it isn't that hot of a take, really. Athletes are brands. Athletes have followings. Athletes can improve the organization. And like to echo what Jason said at the end as well, like, you know, we are more and more becoming fans of a player rather than a fan of a team. I'm still an Eagles fan, just like Jason. I'm still a Sixers fan, Tottenham Hotspur fan to the day I die. But I'm also a fan of players. And there's this great Jerry Seinfeld bit where he talks about how, why are we really rooting for teams? We're really rooting for shirts at the end of the day. We're rooting for laundry. So he says, you know, that's what you're treating for. You're treating for a shirt. I don't totally agree with Seinfeld on that. Um, but I understand the sentiment. And now more than ever, with NBA players being traded, being moved around, the same things happening across sports, um, it's not a crazy idea to think that a player going to a city or a city and organization would be more than just about their play on the field. It's who they are off the field, you know, what they do off the field, who they associate with themselves with off the field in terms of brands, in terms of sponsorships, and then, of course, social following. And that's a big thing with Juju. So, yeah, I completely agree with that. And it's it's exciting to see. And from a sponsorship perspective, it's exciting to think about. Yeah, I have one more thing to piggyback to. Evan, I'm down to hijack this podcast and just talk birds all day if you want to. But I'm just kidding. Mitch, I'm not going to do that. Don't boot me. Although Jalen Hurts is, the, is, is great. I love Jalen Hurts. Yeah. See, that's why we need to talk about it. I'm a Carson Wentz believer until I die. This will not be an NFC East podcast. It's no. not a good Don't enough conference for us to spend time. <laughs> NFC I, West, Carson, maybe. 
Maybe, yeah, just because you're in Vegas now, Mitch. I love it. Subtle, subtle brag that you're in Las Vegas while Evan and I are in the freezing cold. But anyway, I was actually <laughs> going to say something important. So I, so your boy, Evan, Joe Pompliano on Twitter, the GOAT, in 2013, mm-hmm. the Milwaukee Bucks were valued at $312 million as a franchise. In 2020, they were valued at $1.6 billion, so yeah. more than three times, um, more, than, more than a lot more times. And he says, why 2013? That's when they drafted Giannis Antetokounmpo. So yeah. it 100% is showing off the, the player empowerment era of, you know, even for me, I feel like I started this years and years ago. I was a, I'm a huge Phoenix Suns fan, and that's because I was the short white guy with long hair, and I love Steve Nash, and I love to pass. And I'm an Eagles fan because Brian Westbrook. I was, the again, the short, shifty guy that hopefully no one could tackle. And, again, that trend is only going to continue, and teams realize that, uh, you know, and it's a – it's a really exciting trend. Yeah, the valuations in the NBA have been absolutely insane over the last decade. And absolutely the Giannis sale and also the sale of the Clippers to Steve Ballmer for $2 billion uh, was a market reset as well in 2014 of just like, wait, how much are these teams worth? They're worth $2 billion? Okay, right. when you have... Uh, you know, Clippers are in a much bigger market in L.A. They had Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, Lob City at the time. Uh, so it was a just a huge sale. But that also, at the moment, I think, raised the value of every single NBA team because it was just, I, I believe it was a 1.4 million more than any other NBA team had ever been sold for up until that point. Uh, I, I've kind of pulled that out of my ass, but uh, it's somewhere it was somewhere like that like it was just a pretty crazy or not 1.4 million 1.4 billion um anyways off topic uh let's talk a little bit about that athlete first fandom and you mentioned how you know it's lebron it's Giannis. it's a really prevalent in the nba in particular because the nba is a star making uh league in other sports, in the MLB, in the NFL, uh, where it's not as easy to gain that immediate facial recognition, you know, generally it's quarterbacks who appear. But uh, if you've walked past, besides their monumental size, an offensive lineman in Winco, you probably wouldn't recognize him uh, just because you don't see their faces very often. And so I'm curious what athletes can be doing especially by connecting with the gaming audience where hey now we're on twitch you know i'm not wearing my helmet when i'm streaming video games what can athletes be doing there uh to position themselves for better brand deals and sort of just increase their face recognition increase their name recognition with other audiences outside of just the ones they gain uh through playing the sport they play yeah i I mean it's an awesome question mitch and i think it's just like again it, it sounds so corny but it it really is just being yourself, you know? And like Juju is, I don't know how old, in his young 20s and TikTok is absolutely massive and he posts videos on TikTok, like dancing videos on TikTok. There's nothing more to it. That's just him being himself and people love taking an inside look at him. Going on the other direction, like Carson Wentz, he posts videos of him, let's say hunting, and that those are his hobbies. And it's just the people that follow those athletes they love what they're doing both on and off the field. And, you know, one thing that's been especially cool, too, with with COVID, obviously, is there's no fans in the game. So you're on your phone all the time and you're, you're checking in on the games on your phone and on digital. And there was this Twitter account during the NBA bubble that was so cool that was just like NBA life in the bubble. And it was like Dwight Howard dancing at a party by himself in the bubble. And it was awesome. And then it's like Patrick Beverly with 
literally 50 white t-shirts and that type of content like these are what these fans are looking for myself included they're obsessed with athletes athletes are the original influencers and again like that trend is not going anywhere so it's just been really cool like advice to athletes is just be yourself and kind of lean into yourself and use social media to share that and not be someone who you're not just you know be be, be yourself yeah jason's be yourself mantra i mean it's 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 a great motto and it's one of those cliche things that super holds true especially in marketing because people are looking for authenticity more than anything else um and i think what video game streaming what twitch and what uh facebook gaming youtube gaming and the professional athletes and other sports who have access to that what that's given people is kind of like a look inside their life in a way that you don't always get it i mean super fans like myself i'm a big joel Embiid fan um, and he went live. He, went, he he plays a lot of video games, plays a lot of FIFA, but he doesn't stream a lot. So he streamed for the first time um, a few weeks ago when I watched it live or I watched the recording. I can't remember. Um, and I got to look into his apartment. And I know that sounds a little bit creepy, a little bit odd. But in a sense, it's really it's it's kind of an exciting thing. You're looking into his life. I mean, he's allowing you to do that. He's embracing, you know, live streaming and playing his game. Um, and the same thing is true for when players would stream in the bubble. It was such a funny thing. They're in their hotel room in Orlando, Florida, streaming video games, and you're looking and watching them do it. It's an authentic access to them. And I'm sure we'll talk about it at different points throughout this podcast. But gaming brings a level of authenticity, a level of like kind of casualness to the approach when you're seeing an athlete, when you're seeing someone, just the access you have to their face, to their you know personality in that long, long stream they have uncut. I mean, like a Gordon Hayward, a Ben Simmons, these guys who go live on Twitch a lot, they're live for four hours at a time. You're never going to get four hours of Ben Simmons uncut by, you know, there's no Sixers PR person there. Maybe sometimes they wish there was, but um, that's a really (laughs) big opportunity for individuals and then also for brands to take advantage of. I mean, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of easy access to them. And, um, you know, it's great for all parties involved. Yeah. And I was just going to piggyback on that with giving like an example too, because we just had an awesome deal uh, close on market price where the company, it's called Elephant in a Box. And it's like this awesome portable furniture company. And it's great because you could like pack it up and you could travel with it. And their couches, their sofas, and it's called Elephant in a Box because it's, it's like an elephant in a box. It's really, really, really strong. And it's not going to break, even though you can kind of smush it up and travel with it. And it's crazy technology. And we had one athlete who did a deal with them, Julian Davenport. He's on the Dolphins. And he's 6'7", over 300 pounds. And even the be yourself mantra, like he's freaking huge. (laughs) You know, he's 6'7", over 300 pounds. And the pitch from him and his agent were just like, yeah, your furniture is really strong. Cool. Let's put that together. Julian's a really big guy it's a match made in heaven. So even if it's like, you don't have to worry about like, oh, well then what's my personality and what should I tweet and what voice should come from my social media? It's like, even just kind of look in the mirror and and see what you'd be able to kind of lean into. And, you know, your fans are going to accept that. It's a great point. Just athletes don't really have to, it's not that crazy. You just, your top 1%, top 0.1% in something to become a professional athlete. You can leverage that. Even, uh, Kawhi Leonard, we're getting off topic, but I love talking about ads and uh, sports marketing too. But I, I loved Kawhi Leonard's honey ad because Kawhi is famously completely silent, like at all times. He's a, you would think he'd be a bad brand 
spokesperson because he doesn't like to talk much. And no, Honey did an ad playing off of that it's perfect. where he yeah. doesn't talk any, at all. And so mm. it's like there's always these ways for smart brands to use whatever unique about athletes in a way that makes sense for their brand. Uh, for time considerations, because we're already 20 minutes in and we haven't spent a lot of time on esports and you know mm-hmm. our esports audience probably expects that. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about sort of the difference in esports and sports. So Jason, I know you come from a sports background and Evan, you have a little bit more esports knowledge. In esports, what are the hurdles for major brands when it comes to creating partnerships in this space, especially as it relates to uh, things that don't exist in the sports world? Yeah, so I think the biggest, um, that's a great question, by the way. I mean, that's a great question that market price is looking to to solve. Um, I think one of the biggest kind of hiccups, the biggest issue where brands can't connect with esports athletes is just kind of like the un- unknownness. Is that a word? The lack of knowledge that they might have about it, the lack of familiarity there is with the industry. In traditional sports, in the four major US sports, let's just say, there's a very simple, well, it's really not that simple, to be honest, but conceptually, it's simple. Athletes have an agent. If I get in touch with the agent, I can get in touch with the athlete. In reality, you can't really get in touch with the agent, and it's hard to get in touch with the athlete. But you can kind of conceptualize that and then try to get through the mechanisms to get there. In esports, in streaming, you know, you might not be familiar with it. It's a newer medium. It's not as traditional as the four major sports are. And so to be able to get in touch with them seems a little bit more complicated. And I think also on the brand side, you know, I, I kind of use this example in the back of my mind where I think about my dad coming down to watch me in the basement play video games, or one day he's watching me watch Twitch and he's saying, you're just watching them play. I don't get it. And I'm sure anyone who is involved in esports can relate to that feeling that at one point in another, someone has asked you, you know, if you're a viewer, if you're a streamer, wait, you're just watching them or wait, they're just watching you play. You're not, they're not watching you like play in real life. And um, that feeling is is kind of a funny one, um, but it's I'm sure it's a common one among a lot of brands. They don't understand the world, uh, and that's not to be disrespectful to a lot of brands that do understand it. Um, I think it is a little bit more complicated, and I'm proud that Marketplace kind of fills that gap, makes it understandable, and at the very least, you know, maybe you don't have to understand esports, but you know that there's value there. And you know that there's opportunity there and a lot of really successful streamers, esports athletes, gamers who are looking for partners. So I, I would say to kind of recap that answer, you know, there's a knowledge gap. There's a bit of an intimidation because you don't know the space. And then there's a, you know, what is this kind of as well? Evan, I, I want to put you on the sales team after that. that was really <laughs> good. Why don't we talk after this? Because that was, that All right, was sounds good. graduating from marketing to sales. But no, I... Uh, I couldn't agree more. And I think the thing where I have the most personal experience in is the whatever word Evan just said, the unknowingness of the return. Like that that's what it comes down to. So I, I've worked with so many brands where streams, I mean, Mitch, like you said, and Evan, like you mentioned, you know, it's like four hours of undivided attention for people in their twenties, like twenties and early thirties. That's marketing gold, but how do you measure that? Like, how do you measure the uplift that you're getting? You know, it's not like Facebook ads and Google AdWords where you put in $5,000 as a brand and you get $10,000 back and you could easily attribute the return you're getting. So it's it's a little bit more difficult, even like YouTube. Like YouTube's amazing because you could track how many views it gets that video. And again, you like input links and you track the links, you track the clicks that your links get and it goes back and you could kind of tie it back to sales. But for Twitch, it's really hard because you're streaming, right? So you need to watch that four-hour stream if you don't even know anything about esports. You don't even know what streaming is. 
to see, let's say, when that athlete has a, an energy energy drink and when they talk about it and how many people are streaming at that exact moment. And then if they're streaming at that exact moment, how do you tie it back to a marketing return? It's really, really, really hard to attribute. And note, I didn't say impossible. It's just really hard to attribute just having like that easy return from working with an esports athlete. However, it's so invaluable. And because it's so new, a lot of brands, there's so many things out there where they invest in Facebook, Google, influencer marketing traditionally. And they're like, well, we don't really need this. Let's let someone else figure it out. And then we'll be able to follow in their footsteps. And no one really is figuring it out. The only real players in the sponsorship space are, think about it, Red Bull or Monster Energy Drink or, you know, Mitch, you were writing an article the other day on the Fan Controlled Football League, and it's like Progressive and Champion and these huge companies where when they invest in sports, they don't really care about the return. It's more the awareness. But if you're a company where you maybe only have a couple thousand dollars to spend on marketing, are you really going to put it in a risky avenue where you can't really tie a return back? Now, with that being said, we have awesome solutions for that at, at MarketPrice, and we can help you with that. But those are really the biggest hurdles for, you know, if you're not Ninja or if you're not Champion and Progressive, how do you find that happy medium of actually connecting for a deal? And how do you prove out that return? Yeah, we're starting to see more brands, but traditionally these streaming platforms have been dominated by endemics. And there's a reason why the term endemic and non-endemic is so popular in the gaming space is because uh, they, they just have been the massive bulk of sponsored dollars for such a long time. Your G Fuels, your Razors, uh, Turtle Beach, headphones, chairs. It's like, that's where you could count on the money coming from. And just in the last year or two, you mentioned Ninja. That's kind of how some of these floodgates have opened. It's like, oh, okay, now we have an Adidas deal. We have, uh, he's got the Red Bull partnership, but we're starting to see he's got a partnership with Walmart. We're starting to see these major brands figure out how to do it. But Ninja is a special case when it comes to streamers. You know, he's, He's got deals that no other streamer has, and some other streamers are still working to uh, get even a small part of the deals that he has uh, just because of he has a whole team around him. He has commoditized himself in a way that very few people have. Also, you guys will be happy to know that unnoticed is actually a word. Uh, I looked it up for you. Let's go. Let's go. Nice uh, the condition of being unknown. Good one. I actually <laughs> did you. not think it was a word, but you you have the, the thesaurus brain going on. Thank you. Uh, Mitch is live fact checking me and I'm getting it right. <laughs> <laughs> I was curious. I was curious. I was like, that might actually be a word. Well, it. I think it's really interesting. And Jason, you mentioned how there's a lot of these, uh, a pipeline, or at least they understand the pipeline in sports. And it's why we've seen a lot of these non-endemic brands become a part of esports events, even if the esport event might not be the same return on investment as a streamer strategy would, uh, but they understand, hey, okay, Activision Blizzard, Riot Games have brought in Nielsen to quantify viewers. As brands, mm -hmm. we understand that. Uh, League of Legends has a massive viewership base, uh, but logos are, logos are generally partially obscured. Uh, they've, you know, League just in the summer put banners in game to make sure that their partners had a lot more uh, space for those activations. And so that's how esports events are trying to increase that awareness. But streaming has just this endless amount of white space, as we discussed. And you can watch Ninja Stream and you'll see it. You'll see Adidas shoes over his back and a Red Bull uh, cooler. And Red Bull actually decked out his entire stream room to make sure they had as much possible real estate behind him. And that was just a genius move by, by Red Bull there. And so... It's it's very clear to me that 
they don't totally understand the opportunity. Not that they don't understand it, but they don't understand how to get into the sponsored space that streams represent. Because you mentioned how athletes are streaming four hours. A lot of streamers are going eight, nine, ten. Uh, you know, we had a big U.S. politics day and Hassan was live 14 hours on Tuesday and 16 hours yesterday streaming. That's 30 pure hours. If you're a brand partner that just sits there and he was streaming to like 230,000 live viewers yesterday as, you know, crazy stuff happened. Uh, But for a brand partner, it's kind of just this insane level of potential exposure that very few are actually capitalizing on right now. And I think that's one of the big places going forward that we see brands start to figure out. We see a lot more uh, partnerships start taking place uh, between big brands and not necessarily the top five streamers in the world, but actually signing streamers like they do athletes. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, But for now, we're just seeing a lot of white space go to waste. Yeah, I mean, but that's how, like, and there's always, you look back at history to see how things are going to roll out, right? Like, think about the Last Dance documentary, not to, I promise it'll come back, but like Michael Jordan did that deal with Nike and he was getting all these sponsorship deals and he was in the commercial with Spike Lee because he was the greatest. Like he was the ninja of basketball. Like he was by far and away the only guy. No one else was doing sponsorship deals back then. It was just Michael Jordan because it was so new and no one really knew how to take advantage of it and leverage it. And Mitch, like you said, measure it and measure the return. So that's something where, again, those trends are only going to continue. Like we've been talking about LeBron James started his own media company. Kevin Durant has his own venture company. These are like the greatest athletes right now playing today. You mean to tell me that there's more athletes that aren't going to start their own venture firms and aren't going to start their own media companies? Like they're just the first guys to to do it. And that's, again, like the exciting part of esports is the top guys are doing it. The top guys are laying the foundation for other athletes to follow and other esports athletes to follow, no matter how niche you are, no matter how, you know, what your following is, because you have such a unique way to reach your fans. And, you know, again, streaming is an unbelievable avenue for so many brands out there to really gain new customers and and build really good will with potential, uh, potential users. Yeah, that yeah, I totally agree with that, Jason. And we talked a lot about, or we talked now for a few minutes about, like the big streamers, the ninjas of the world. And Mitch even pointed out, like you know, that's a unique situation. He's unique in that way. He is that size. He has that capability. And brands are you know falling over themselves to work with him. But it goes down the list as well. And there's opportunity across the board. And it's not just like kind of these national streamers. It also can be a localized as well. I mean, Optic Chicago is one of the best Call of Duty League um, teams right now. And I, I don't watch a lot of other streams besides Call of Duty and other first-person shooting games, but Optic Chicago is, is, from my understanding, one of the big ones. And that is a localized thing. So I think going back to what brands might have misconceptions about what brands, what might be a barrier would be the idea that how can we localize this? How can we scale down this kind of audience and, um, and fit it into one place? Of course, there's also international streamers. There's, you know, video game streaming, esports is worldwide. Um, but I, I wanted to make the point that not only is it worldwide, it also is localized. And and those present interesting opportunities for brands. Definitely. It was uh, the localization that was going to happen with 
the Activision Blizzard esports leagues in 2020, where they were going to have all these different events uh, in these different cities. And of course, they weren't able to be held besides a few of them. We started to see it, as you mentioned, how, hey, we could actually connect with local partners. The Minnesota Rocker held the kickoff event uh, last year, one of the like two or three that was actually able to happen. And they had a Minnesota car dealership as one of their partners. And it's like, that's the kind of partner that really never had a fit in esports or gaming prior to this uh, and that was one of the big goals of the Activision Blizzard League and we were going to see that happen on a much greater scale throughout the year had they been actually able to held uh, hold all the events they were planning to throughout the year so tough with the pandemic but we're going to see that return as live events could come back and you know there's just a lot of opportunity for sponsorship in this space Jason I want to loop back to what you said earlier how 90% of sponsorship revenue uh, comes or ninety percent of esports athletes' revenue comes from sponsorships. That's pretty insane. Can you contrast that with what those revenue splits look like in sports, from your knowledge, and just sort of how what that means for esports going forward, and just the importance of sponsorship in the space at large? Yeah, that is an awesome question that I do not know the answer to. However, I could try my best to answer it because, uh, you know, for example. And, and one good thing is like NBA 2K, right? Like those guys license the rights to use those NBA athletes. That's the reason that NCAA video game doesn't um, exist anymore because college athletes can't make money off of it. Those guys are making like tens of thousands of dollars just to be in the league that they get from those video games. And the licensing rights from like the, the TV deals, and I know ESPN has canceled a lot of esports coverage this year due to the pandemic, but the fact that these more traditional sports get so much passive income it's not even close to 90% of their income. And also think about the contracts that these guys are signing. You know, NBA, their minimum salary is, it's like over a million dollars or it's close to that. So these more traditional sports, it's not close to 90% of that um, of, of their revenue coming from sponsorship. But again, it's, it's so funny because these esports athletes and Mitch, we've talked about it today. We talked about it yesterday when we were talking. It was just like, the white space that they have available when they're streaming is something that is absolutely unmatched. And it's crazy to think because, and I, right now, like you said, you know, Activision and the headphones and gaming chairs, like they dominate the advertising market. But there's no reason that a gamer can't just be drinking, let's say, chocolate milk or eating a specific type of cereal and use that as a sponsorship opportunity or wearing a pair of cool sunglasses or like blue light glasses that Felix Gray would give them or have an awesome poster from some company uh, that made the poster for them. Like it's such an unbelievable opportunity where you think about these NBA games and NFL games and traditional sports. When you watch a commercial, you're on your phone. You're not actually watching the commercial. Like commercials are done. And last year, obviously it's, it's, again, it's only going to continue. Digital ad spend surpassed TV ad spend for the first time ever, just last year. So again, like these opportunities for streamers to advertise their channel and really engage tons, like you said with Hassan, like tons and tons and tons of users and, and people that are so engaged with them. And again, like as a brand, even if you're associating yourself with them and it's not a clear advertising, like drink this chocolate milk, it's delicious. Even if they're just drinking it, you're just building that brand awareness. And again, you're building goodwill because the people that are streaming, they're paying like Evan, I know you you actually pay to subscribe to streamers, right? Where you're you are such a fan of them to do that. Yeah. Yep. On uh, on Twitch. That that's my preferred platform. And and to echo, you know, some of your some of that talk about 
the brands that they're working with. And what Mitch said earlier about Turtle Bay gaming chairs, I mean, these are the most kind of intuitive who should gamers be working with? Who wants to have access to gaming platforms? And it's like, oh, tech companies, Duracell, a battery company. But, you know, it's pretty intuitive. And if you let yourself kind of get there mentally, it makes sense that other brands would utilize it as well. There are tons of other brands in the past few years that have embraced it. We talked about the big ones with Ninja, but there's things like Nesquik um, and, and Twisted Tea. Um, tw- they had a happy hour. They had like a happy hour stream earlier this year with Nick Merckx, um, Cloaksy, I think as well, a few other guys. And that's a great kind of brand partnership, partly because those guys are not only streamers, but their personalities and they have a story to tell and they're funny and they're engaging. And we as consumers like that. And as a brand, you love that. That's exactly what you want. Someone who's funny and engaging as a storyteller is someone that you can connect with um, and then will then connect with the audience as well. So it's not a leap to think a drink brand, a hat brand, a shirt brand, you know, whatever it is, you can make the connection to esports because just like us, they're people too. Their viewers are people. Um, and that's kind of the crux, the core of what marketing is. Yeah, I just wanted to triple down on that too, just because I've been working with brands for years in the sponsorship space and literally every single brand, I've never met a brand who's been like, yeah, I don't care if they actually like the product or not. I just want them to promote it. That never, ever, ever is a conversation I've ever had. It's always, well, let me send it to you first. Let me make sure you try it. And I was on the phone with a company called Dreamwater. I'm sure you've seen them if you've ever flown in an airport ever, and it helps you sleep better. And they're like, we want every single athlete to try it. We'll send free product to anyone who wants to try it. And once you love it and once you become obsessed with it, let's talk about a potential deal. Let's talk about a potential sponsorship deal. Brands always want to capture that authenticity. Brands do not want to just send product to an athlete, have them take a picture of it and be like, thanks, and then tag the brand. That's things that brands absolutely hate. And the thing that, especially in esports, is when you're streaming, You're not just like stopping and smiling and giving a thumbs up to the camera. Like Evan, you'd probably know this. Have you ever, ever seen that ever? No, they just like naturally do what they do while they're competing. And it's so authentic and it's so raw that brands would absolutely love the opportunity to take advantage of that. Yeah. And we're, we're seeing more and more of them. You mentioned apparel companies a little while ago, and I think they are, missing the boat a little bit like they're all doing stuff puma adidas nike are all doing stuff in esports uh, but i think they could be doing more just based on the value that they receive uh, especially when you look at uh so a comparison i used when i when i talked with people at nike a few years ago was how much money do y'all pay for i was talking to the guy in charge of uh, individual sports so uh, tennis golf sort of their racket club sports um and I was like, how much money do you pay for a random guy on the PGA Tour? Not a Tiger, but, you know, t- take your pick of like the 10th best golfer on Nike's payroll. How much do you pay for that? How often does he appear on a broadcast flashing the Nike logo? Maybe five minutes, if you're lucky, over the course of a tournament, assuming he's not playing very well. Oh my God, with golf, never. It would like, you know, for never. a second, it would maybe happen. They're back of their head or something. Yeah, impossible. Right. It, it doesn't happen, but they still pay out a ton of money to get that brand recognition where you could pay a streamer to wear a hat that just has a swoosh on it and they'd be live for eight hours of consistent exposure to their audience. Uh, and it's just it's the kind of exposure that just does not exist in most sports platforms. I mean, if you want to sign a jersey deal for the NBA, then yeah, of course. But 
we're talking, you know, millions upon millions upon millions of dollars for those kind of deals versus, hey, I could sign a streamer for a couple grand probably and they'll, I'll give you free Nike stuff and you wear the swoosh and they'll be like, yeah, of course, sounds good. And so there's just this massive opportunity for so many brands in the space. There's also food delivery stuff. All streamers get food delivery like once a stream. Evan, I'm sure you recognize this. You know, it's like you're going to go live for eight hours. You're going to get food. You're probably not going to cook it. So you'll probably get Grubhub or DoorDash or Postmates delivered. If you're a, one of those companies, you can corner the market on that and make sure that streamers are buying from your uh, service every single time. So there's just so many opportunities in the streaming world that aren't being tapped into. And I think companies like Market Price hopefully will help create more opportunities uh, for gamers and for streamers to continue growing their channel and continue tapping into that massive source of income that it is for so many esports players. So I think that's a great note to wrap up the show on. But Jason, I want to give you one more chance uh, to talk about what market price has coming on. You know, you guys are coming up on your one month anniversary. So this might be the, the youngest company we've ever had on the Esports Network podcast, but really excited to talk with you about it. What can people be on the lookout for from market price going forward? Yeah, Evan, we're going to get like a candlelit dinner to celebrate the one month. Me, you, Sherry, R, and Zach. <laughs> Over Zoom, I can't wait. The, the whole the whole squad. Uh, no, that's something where, yeah, I, I mean, we're just getting started here, Mitch. Like that's one thing where we, we've already had over 100 athletes and agents sign up. We have over 30 brand opportunities. And, you know, even specific to your audience of like, even if you're an esports athlete or Mitch as an esports podcast, like if you guys are looking for sponsorship deals, the hardest part is to well, not the hardest part, but the hardest parts are one, finding the company that you want to work with. Like, let's say, cool, Neswick. I love chocolate milk. How do you reach out to them? How do you know who the right person is to reach out to at that company? And how do you know that right now is a good time for them to invest in esports? And it's just so hard that athletes obviously don't even have the time to do it and they don't even have the means to do it. So with Markiplier, something that, again, it excites us so much is that any esports athlete out there they can go on market price, they can log in and see right now, we've been live for like two and a half weeks and they could see over 30 brands that have signed up because they're literally looking to look for professional athletes. These are the hottest leads that you could possibly imagine because they signed up wanting to hear from pro athletes and you're able to apply to work with them in two clicks. You're able to message them directly. You're able to get on the phone with them, email with them and brands that you really want to, to care about. And it's nice because going back to our conversation, with, you know, athletes being yourself. And that's what separates you on social media. And let's say the athlete like, oh, well, I don't really know the the voice I want to get out yet. Let's say they're a little bit more timid. With market price, it's not like you need to know which products you need you want to work with. You go on and we have, you know, we have chocolate milk companies, we have mattress companies, we have watch companies, we have fashion companies, we have a custom bobblehead company where you literally could get your own custom bobblehead. And, you know, that's awesome, obviously. But you don't have to worry about which companies you want to reach out to. You go on market price. We're adding new brands on a daily basis where you can just be surprised at which companies are out there. And if you want to work with them, that's the hardest part, getting from zero to one. And that's something where we're looking to long-winded answer to wrap this up of just growing in all facets, signing up really cool brands that want to get into athlete marketing, dip their toe in the water or scale it. Athletes who didn't have the means prior to connect with brands and want to take marketing into their own hands, or even sports agents. Most of our users are agents where they want to get all of their deals, all of their guys' deals quickly, like with the snap of their finger. So that's something that 
you know, we've had some unbelievable early users. They've been really loving what we're doing, especially as a young business. And man, the, the future is bright for us. Uh, like I said, I'm a huge Suns fan, so I'm taking that pun if anyone understands that. <laughs> Well, the future is always bright for uh, for Suns fans because I mean the present isn't that bright. I think is really what you're what you're boiling it. Down We're to the do, first team in the West. Okay. Get out of anyway. here. Anyway, don't, <laughs> don't even you don't are? even get me going. Yeah, yeah. We're six wow. and two. Okay, let's. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to hear about the wow. Suns. Wow. Don't even Devin get me started, Parker dude. And Aiden, the, CP the Jake Jay Crowder hit six threes last night. Cam Johnson, my guy, hit four more threes. Uh, we just need DeAndre Lakers. To step I'm up not sure I'd call y'all. I don't this know if is... you have the tiebreaker there, but I'll respect. I'll respect it. You're 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 there. You're beating my Blazers, so that's I can't I can't talk. Yeah, uh, we lost <laughs> to the Bulls last. I can't talk at all. Um, so okay, yeah. <laughs> Before we get too far off topic again, uh, thank you guys for coming on the show. It was great talking to y'all. Uh, really excited to see what Market Price does going forward. Clearly, a lot of momentum behind that company in the first month. 100 athletes signed up, and hopefully, uh, some expansion into the esports world coming soon as we talked about for the last 45 minutes the esports world has a lot of value in it and could definitely use uh some more sponsorships so jason evan thanks for joining the show to our listeners thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed our first episode of 2021 we've got a great year for y'all coming up we've got uh some cool episodes next week with marshall zelanik i don't have his name in front of me i'm sorry marshall he was a former ufc broadcaster hired as the new ceo of esports engine so we're gonna be talking about sort of his work with the ufc and how he's gonna bring that to esports over with uh esports engine that company part of vindex with mike sepso sundance di giovanni adam apicella and all these other esports pioneers so be on the lookout for that show and we're also talking to o'larry 2k next week and that's going to be a really fun show people unfamiliar with o'larry's story he was involved in the jacksonville madden shooting uh just as a uh, spectator of that event and he was actually shot made a full recovery returned back to the nba 2k league uh and won an espy for sort of his recovery process so we're gonna be talking about that whole experience. So you have those uh, shows to look forward to coming out next week. But for now, if you're looking for a sponsor, we need more sponsorship. It feels like the right time to do the plug considering we just talked to market price. Uh, so look look for market price and also look at us. We'd love some more sponsors for our podcasting, our video opportunities, including the Gamer Hour and our digital media. Please reach out to Esports Network CEO Mark Timmick using the email in the bio of this show. See you all next Friday.